Hello and welcome to the West Point Sermon Podcast. This is your place for audio for past and future messages if there's something you missed out on or if there's something you want to hear again. Video versions of this podcast are available at the link in the podcast description if you want the full audio and visual experience. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new sermons are posted. Thanks so much for listening. This is the story of where dogs and cats came from. You didn't know this was in the Bible, but uh, it's in there. It's like Genesis 2 and a half. Uh, Adam was walking in the garden one day, and he cried out to God, You used to walk with me every day. Now I don't see you anymore. I'm lonely here, and it's difficult for me to remember how much you love me. God said, I'll create a companion for you that will be with you forever, who will be a reflection of my love for you, so that you will love me even when you cannot see me. Regardless of how selfish or childish or unlovable you may be, This new companion will accept you and will love you as I do, in spite of yourself. So God created a new animal to be a companion for Adam. And it was a good animal, and God was pleased. And the new animal was pleased to be with Adam, and it wagged its tail. And Adam said, Lord, I've already named all the animals in the kingdom, and I cannot think of a new name for this animal. God said, because I have created this new animal to be a reflection of my love for you, His name will be a reflection of my name, and you will call him Dog. And the dog lived with Adam and was a companion to him and loved him. And Adam was comforted, and God was pleased. And the dog was content and wagged his tail. And after a while, it came to pass that Adam's guardian angel came to the Lord and said, Look, Adam has become filled with pride. He struts and preens like a peacock and believes he's worthy of adoration. Dog has indeed taught him that he is loved, but perhaps too well. Then the Lord said, I will create for him a companion who will be with him forever and who will see him as he is. And this companion will remind him of his limitations so that he will know that he is not always worthy of adoration. And God created Cat to be a companion to Adam. And Cat would not obey Adam. And when Adam gazed into Cat's eyes, he was reminded that he was not the supreme being. And Adam learned humility, and God was pleased, and Adam was greatly improved, and the dog was happy, and Cat didn't care one way or the other. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Oh, my. All right. Well, this morning uh, we're continuing our series on uh, called "What Does God Say About?" and, and uh, last week we started talking about what does God say about social media, and and we kind of discovered well, God didn't really specifically say anything about social media, but He gave us a lot of principles in His Word that govern our use of social media. And this week we're going to take on another um, maybe difficult topic. And uh, we're going to do this in, in a kind of an interactive fashion again. But this week we're going to talk about social justice. And uh, this is a big, big issue and it encompasses a lot of different things. But before we get started, I want to just read this passage from Isaiah chapter 1. Because I think this really will set the tone for our conversation today. Isaiah chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 12. And if you have a Bible this morning, you can follow along with me. If you don't have one, there should be one in the seat pockets in front of you. Take that. If you don't own a Bible, take it with you. It's our gift to you. We want you to have it uh, this morning. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screen as well. 
Isaiah 1.12. When, when you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of convocations, I cannot endure it, iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes and cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. You know, I, I think the heart behind this passage of Scripture isn't that God hates everything that has to do with organized church, as some people would maybe interpret that to be. But rather, if our heart isn't for people first and for the needs in this world and caring and loving about people, then all of this extra stuff isn't any good. And in fact, if it were to be written today, it might say something like, God says to his people, I don't care about your prayer meetings, about your worship concerts. I don't care about your women's ministry conference or your men's retreat. I don't care about your party on the patios or your sermon series. Unless your heart is for me and for my people. And so today, as, as we go into this difficult topic, I want to talk about it um, from a perspective of hearing the voice of God and allowing His heart for His people to be the most important thing. That, that His love that He's demonstrated for us and that exists for the whole world would supersede any opinions and ideas that we might have. Because how many know we have a lot of opinions, Right? Does anybody in here have any opinions this morning? Does anybody in here have any political opinions this morning? Ooh, it's going to be a rough one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so what I want us to do, we're going we're gonna to actually have a little bit of discussion time involved this morning. This is something we, we've never done before. Last week was the first week trying it, and I think it was awesome. Okay, okay, if I can have your attention back up this direction. Remember the rules. Shh. Okay, so uh, we, are, we are going to talk about a few different things. I want to give us kind of three ideas that will help us with this whole social justice conversation. And uh, if you can just hang out where you're at because we're going to have a chance to talk a little bit more later. I know you're excited about that because you don't have to listen to me. So, <laughs> but I got the microphone so I get to talk first. All right. Um, so three things that I want to share this morning that will maybe help us with this conversation. And number one, it's that we care about people more than politics. Care about people more than politics. You know, if, if we had that as, as kind of our governing uh, fundamental principle, um, I think that our nation would be in a far better place. Right? If, if people cared about the individual more than they cared about their policy, I think that, that uh, we would be in a healthier place as a nation, and we wouldn't need to have as many policies, frankly. Um, now, I think that, that law and order is important, too, but, but 
I'm less concerned about that as a church as the fact that we care about individual people and see them the way that God sees them. What's God's heart for the individual? He leaves the 99 sheep and goes after the one who's lost, right? He gives us this picture of his love for us, that the rules don't matter as much as the person. And I think it's really important for us as a church to really hold on to that. Now, there are two issues, and we sat down as a staff last week in our staff meeting and kind of pre-had this discussion. You know, we, we, we went through all these different topics and, and what things were, were kind of difficult topics, and um, we had some really good conversation, and, um, you know, a lot of, of where we're going today is because of, of those conversations that, that we had, because we see a lot of these, these challenges, and and how do we respond to them as a church? Sometimes that's a difficult task to figure out. There are two issues right now that are constantly um, being brought up, whether it's in the news or whether it's, you know, just part of our conversation. And, and they're big, big issues here in our country today, and they relate to social justice. And the first one is racism, and the second one is immigration. And uh, so we're going to talk about that not from a political perspective. You're certainly entitled to have what your opinion uh, is on some of these various issues, but how do we respond as a Christian, and what's God's heart towards these issues? Um, so first of all, racism um, has been something that has not only been like a huge part of our like national conversation, but locally and even in our own community. A few about about a year ago, I think it was last summer, a new family moved to the Delano community and their house was vandalized and there was racist graffiti spray painted in their home. And uh, it was something that really hit home here in Delano. And I want to just share a little bit about what God's word says about how we're supposed to treat one another. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're made to drink of one spirit. So there's no, there's no like division between people of different skin colors in the body of Christ. We're all part of God's family. And he designed us as one race, the human race. And he, he ultimately created each one of us and our unique characteristics and the things that make us look different are unique and special, and God put them into us for a purpose. And so we should appreciate that. And we should care about individuals more than we care about what they look like and, and uh, maybe the, the culture that they're a part of. First John 2.11 says, Whoever hates his brother is in darkness, and whoever walks in the darkness does not know where he's going because darkness has blinded his eyes. You know, I think most of us, if you, I, I hope all of us, if you were to ask the question, like, do you hate other ethnicities or do you hate other races? Most of us would say, no, of course not. I'm not a racist. But the thing that, that happens is, is when we start to believe little lies about people and when we start to have kind of these inherent beliefs that affect us, we, we fail to kind of see ourselves in the light of God's word. And we maybe hold prejudices or um, things that, that are just kind of maybe in the back of our mind that we don't even know are there. 
I'll give you a perfect example from my own life. I grew up in Cloquet, Minnesota. It is the one city in this state that is whiter than Delano, okay? <laughs> and, and I'll tell you right now, I mean, like, I had, I knew one person that was black. I mean, one person in my entire city of 11,000 people. I, I, and uh, we played baseball together, and that was the only reason that I knew him. I had values and comments and things that had been instilled in me that I did not even realize were there. And they weren't revealed to me until I moved here to the Twin Cities and started having friends that were of different ethnicities and different races. And as I began to interact with them, I began to see some of the stereotypes and some of the prejudices that I held in my heart that I didn't even know were there. And I think as, as we allow God to speak to our hearts and as we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and as we begin to gain that perspective, it reveals some things in our heart that maybe aren't necessarily right. And it opens the door for healing and it opens the door for reconciliation. So we as a church need to start walking through that process and letting go of some of the things that have held us back from experiencing the family of God in the way that he intended us to. 1 Timothy 5.21 says, In the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging or doing nothing from partiality. So it's our responsibility as the church to eliminate those biases and those prejudices and to start seeing people the way that God sees them so that we can show people the love that God intended for them. And those biases and those prejudices that we hold in our heart will prevent us from doing that in a godly way. The only way to do that is by allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal those things in our heart and to repent of them and to walk in a different direction. And if we do that as the church, if we set the example as the church, that will open doors for us because our world is is dying and hurting for people who will show them unconditional love. God has put that unconditional love in our heart. Now we need to start expressing it. And if we can show the world that kind of love, then we can make an incredible difference. If we fail to do that, then the church is just seen as another racist institution. But if we can be a place of hope and healing... What an opportunity to show our world the love of Jesus Christ. The other one is immigration. And I know that this is a difficult topic as well. And um, I don't want to talk about political policy this morning. As I said, you're entitled to believe what you want to believe as long as it doesn't affect how you love people. And, I, you know, I think policy is important and I think laws are important. Um, but God's Word gives us some very specific instructions in how we as individuals are to treat those who are here, regardless of why they're here or how they got here. And uh, I want to look at that this morning. And, you know, we kind of had a, an introduction of this, the message that Pastor Michael shared a couple weeks ago and the, the missions team that they shared. And they worked with Somali immigrants here in the Twin Cities and and how God moved on their hearts, and, and you heard their testimonies, and, and you heard 
Pastor Michael's message. That really sets up what we're talking about here today with this specific topic. And I want to read a couple verses. Leviticus 19.34 says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. So if you've had the thought before, and I think, you know, just in honesty and transparency, I, I, I believe that, that most of us have maybe thought this before about some people group at some point. I wish they would just go back home. If you've had that thought before, that is not a godly thought. That is not a godly response. Rather, God's response is to treat them as the ones who are native among you. Love them as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 10.18 says, He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. And this verse, I, I think, really sums up how we are to respond as believers. Hebrews 13, 2, do not neglect the show of hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Think about that for a second. Like, you may have entertained an angel and not even known it. That gives us kind of a responsibility as believers to always be compassionate, to always show love, to always respond with grace. So, regardless of what you believe, regardless of... And, and, and I will say this. Um, because you care about people, that doesn't mean that you, that you have to um, believe in open borders or you have to believe in, in certain political policies or, or you think that... Um, or you can't support law enforcement if you care about people of, of different ethnicities. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that individuals matter more than policies and rules. And that's the heart of Christ. Okay, moving on from those. <laughs> now, number two, most of our problems are first world problems. Okay, this is a little bit embarrassing for me, but... I want to tell you how easy it was to come up with a list of things over the past couple of months that have annoyed me that are, frankly, first world problems of the first order, okay? I'm going to share them with you in a moment of transparency, hoping that you will not judge me, okay? Things that I've complained about, legitimately complained about in the past year, when my favorite drink is now discontinued at Starbucks. That was yesterday, okay? <laughs> Cascara cold brew does not exist anymore. I'm going to be all right. We're going to move on. When there's no new Star Wars coming out at Christmas this year. Mm. Yeah, some of you are feeling me on that one, right? When the only team in the state that can win a championship is the women's basketball team. All you Packer fans, shut your mouth, all right? Don't want to hear it. When your lawn grows too fast and you don't have time to mow that week. I mean, these are things that I found myself actually complaining about in my head. Now, I didn't do it out loud because I would sound like an idiot, right? 
But we do this all the time. We think about all the things that we're upset about. You know, when I was in college, a friend of mine recommended the movie Hotel Rwanda. Has anybody ever seen that before? If you want to get messed up, pick up that movie and watch it. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest here. I knew nothing about the Rwandan genocides until I saw that movie, and that was 10 years after they'd happened. People being slaughtered in the streets because the bridge of their nose was wider than, than their neighbor. I mean, the things that, that they went through in that society. There are people out there who don't have access to clean water on a daily basis. And they're at risk for all sorts of diseases because they don't have a source of clean water. There are people whose lives could be saved by something as simple as a mosquito net to put over their bed at night. There's genocide, there's sex trafficking that's affecting millions of people all around the world. There are food shortages. We have very little to complain about. But when we focus on our problems, we fail to see the bigger picture of the world in need of Christ and his love and of things as simple and easy as turning on a faucet here in the United States where somebody may have to walk miles to have access to clean water on a daily basis. Some don't even have that opportunity. Puts kind of everything into perspective, doesn't it? When we look at what we have and wh what's available to us, and it makes us really evaluate what's important. When we're talking about social justice, for some people, justice for them looks like access to to food on a daily basis or maybe not being kidnapped or murdered. We need to have God's heart. We need to care about those people, not just to feel bad, but to actually do something about it. To say, I'm going to be a part of something that makes a difference in this world. I want to make a difference for somebody so that they can even have the opportunity to hear about Christ. Because if they die tomorrow because they didn't have clean water, they may never have the opportunity to hear about the love of Jesus. The gospel is more effective when we meet people's needs in conjunction with its sharing. We have missionaries that we support. We have organizations that work through the Assemblies of God. And they go around and they do disaster relief. And they, they find people and, and do medical ministry and, and all these different things. And we do it because people need to hear about the thing that can ultimately save their soul, not just their body. But if we don't show them compassion and meet their need, how will they ever have the opportunity to hear about the love of Jesus Christ? Number three, and the last one that I want to share this morning is that we need some perspective. 
we need some perspective. Can, can I just give you some advice this morning? I'm going to do it anyway, so you might as well just agree and say yes. Avoid thinking about how everybody else is wrong. I mean, if we could just do that, I think that would open up a world of possibilities for us as believers to begin to see things through somebody else's eyes. If we stop judging people before we even hear what they have to say, imagine what that would do for the relationships that we have with others. Well, I don't even want to hear what they have to say because I know what they're going to say. They're going to start talking about something that I completely disagree with, and I don't even want to hear it. So I'm going to just tune out, or actually, better yet, I'm going to start thinking about my counterpoint to their argument. Has anybody ever done that before? Like you're having a conversation with someone, and you're listening to what they have to say, but only just enough so that you can, so that you can plan what you're going to say in response to argue with them? I've never done that myself. I don't know. <laughs> right? Like... We do that all the time. What if we just listened to people for a change and heard what they had to say? Perspective is an amazing tool. I'll tell you, I, I have a perfect illustration of, of how perspective can change things. When I go for a run, um, usually uh, about halfway through the run, that's when it, it's the most challenging or a little bit past halfway because it's like you're looking at it and you still have a ways to go. You're not close enough that the excitement is there. And, and perspective can either make or break that run. When you start thinking about how your knee hurts or how your hamstring is a little bit sore or how your legs are tired because you just ran yesterday or how the pavement is kind of uneven this this part of the course. Or you can start thinking about how the fact that you have the ability to move and you're having an opportunity to exercise, and it's a beautiful day, and the birds are chirping, and you get to hear that in the morning. And what you focus on can make or break that run. It's amazing. You can run those last four or five miles, and it can be a breeze, or it can be absolute torture. We as Christians need to have perspective. We need to see things through the grace of Jesus Christ. When we have the ability to look at our life and say, I'm here by the grace of God, and he's given me the ability to live and to breathe and to speak life, then we see every day as an opportunity. When we look at it as everything is wrong with the world, and we look at all the brokenness, and we look at it through the lens of how most people see the world, then everything that we walk through is discouraging and depressing. Your perspective changes how you respond in every instance. So stop thinking about why everyone else is wrong and start hearing what they have to say. And hear from people that have different ideas than you do. It's amazing how your perspective will shift when you listen to people that have a different opinion than you do. Um, just, just sitting down and having a conversation with them and hearing what they have to say. Sometimes that's all it takes to change our heart. Last thing I want to suggest is avoid reactionary responses when you disagree. Just take it in 
And and sometimes it's it's okay to say something contradictory, or sometimes it's okay to say, well, I disagree with that. But avoid that reactionary response to slam them down. Because then you'll never really allow your heart the opportunity to listen and respond to what they've had to say and what they've shared with you. You know, there are so many different causes in the world, right? Like, you could, you could like, pull up thousands of different charities online right now that you would be more than happy to take your money, right? There could be, prob- there's probably 10 protests within driving distance that you could be a part of today. I, I mean, it's just like there's always something that, that you can be a part of, that you can do. But I think as believers, we have an obligation to say, okay, God, what's your heart? What are you speaking to me? What's important to you so that that can be important to me? Give me your heart. And as we do that, God's going to give you opportunities. And, and what's amazing about the church is that you have different opportunities than I have. And you have different things that stir your heart. How many would say in your group alone you had like three or four different things that you were really passionate about, right? Like we don't care about the same things because God has put inside of you different triggers, different things that stir your heart. And he did that not so that you could sit about, sit and talk about it in church, but that you could actually make a difference in one of those areas. If you walk out of here today and say, wow, I, I, that was convicting. I, I really feel strongly about this particular issue. But you never do anything about it. What good is it? Now we're back to Isaiah again. You can have your worship night. You can have your prayer meeting. You can have your sermon series. But if your heart doesn't lead to a transformational change where you're willing to say, I'm, I'm willing to do more and just feel bad. I want to do something about it. Then you're wasting your time. 